Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. Yo, what's good everybody? Welcome to Unfair Sports, where we take a pensive approach to the sports conversation. Make sure you check us out wherever you get your podcast. And while you're there, hook us up with a rating and a review. So give us five stars. If you don't think we deserve it, man, just give us five anyway and gift it. So on today's Thursday-ish episode of Unfair, we're going to dive into the NFL draft and why quarterbacks draft high and a guarantee. We're also going to talk about the undrafted guys and why you should keep your head up. The NBA has a ratings issue, and I think I know why, and also why it doesn't matter. And then we're going to wrap things up with some Thunder Thursday stuff. Make sure you hit us up on the Unfair Fair line, 430-901-1906, and leave us a uh, message and let us know what you think of the show. Uh, we want some of your strong opinions. Hit us up. So, And make sure you share us with your friends and family, those that love sports. We love to hear get new listeners and be able to provide them with additional content. So give us feedback as well, 430-901-1906. All right, it is draft weekend, everybody. And so it's kind of time to really start talking about these players. So I'm not the biggest. So let me pull this back. I'm a big draft person. I love the draft itself. I'm not big on making my own picks, mainly because I don't take the time, enough of the time at least, to really evaluate what a team needs and what they should get outside of like the top five. I mean, technically, if you're in the top five, most likely you're going to need a quarterback or you've given up on your quarterback and it's time to move forward. So in that space, you're usually around that area unless your quarterback was hurt the year before and you can go a different direction. But most of the time, top five quarterback is going to be, top five picks going to be a quarterback, right? And so I was starting to look at this. I was like, all right, we've got five quarterbacks this season that could really do something. I mean, this is what, first time since what, that was the, the, the 2018 draft when you had, Josh Allen, Josh Rosen, Baker Mayfield, Lamar Jackson, or whatnot. And then, of course, back to Mahomes and the Deshaun Watson, Mitch Trubisky draft. You had all these drafts with quarterbacks, and people were trying to make the decision of, you know, in the last five years, who's going to be the future. And so I'm looking at that. And so this year we have five. You have Trevor Lawrence, who's guaranteed number one. You got Zach Wilson, who's supposedly number two, but I don't know yet. You'll find out by the time this comes out, we'll know the answer to that question. The third person, you got Trey Lance, Mac Jones, and Justin Fields. But the thing that we do know is, is that out of those five quarterbacks, maybe two are successful. Maybe two. 
It could even potentially be less. Maybe three. But it's a slim chance that all five of them are actually successful in this league because that's just not how it works. Law of averages, you've got a 50-50 chance with a first-time quarterback for them to actually do be successful and be there long-term. That's just the numbers. You can look it up. It's really hard to choose quarterbacks. It's really hard to draft in general in this league, in any sports, because it's all a crapshoot. All of these players are good enough to get to this level, but once you're at this level, the gap in talent is a lot bigger than what people anticipate. And so looking at this, I went back to 1998, back when Peyton Manning was drafted. I figured 23 years is enough time to really kind of see what the modern era of the league looks like. And to be quite honest, if your last name isn't Manning, very slim chance that you're going to go to the to the NFL, to the Super Bowl, being a top five pick. So I went and looked at it. And it's even more rare that top 10 quarterbacks meet each other in the Super Bowl. A lot rarer than you think. So I went back and looked at Super Bowl matchups of all Super Bowls. So we're what, 52? Four Super Bowl matchups featured top 10 drafted quarterbacks. Four. Now, of course, there's probably a few more. When you look at lower tier, like you had 2011, you had Aaron Rodgers go against Ben Roethlisberger, and it was a 24th pick and a, a number 11 pick. Um, Greasy saw Bob Greasy saw Bill Kilmer in uh, 73 at four and 11 were their draft positions. But if you weren't drafted in the top 10. Very rare that you saw each other. I mean, Doug Williams and John Elway in 88. Uh, closest to back-to-back of that. So first rounders, you do see them see each other a little bit more frequently as there were 31 quarterbacks drafted in the first round that made an actual Super Bowl. But there was four. So 71, Super Bowl five. You had El Morel. El Morale, who was the number two pick, and Craig Morton, who was a number five pick, they saw each other in the Super Bowl. 87, you had John Elway match up against Phil Sims, a number one versus a number seven. Sims was the seventh draft, seventh uh, pick. And then from 71 to 87, you went to 2001. That was the next big jump. You had Trent Dilfer, who was a six, play against Kerry Collins, who was a five. You wouldn't even consider them to be... <laughs> Top 10 picks, you know, if you look in hindsight. And then 2016, Peyton Manning taking on Cam Newton in Super Bowl 50. And the funny thing about that, that is the first time we've ever had a number one play against a number one in the Super Bowl. First time. It took 50 Super Bowls before we got a number one actually match up against another number one draft pick at quarterback. You can't tell me that's not crazy. That's like absurd how much of a crapshoot it really is drafting a quarterback. And so since 98, and it's 23 years of the modern day of football, what I'm going to consider modern day, as they made the adjustments on defense and made offense easier and inflated statistics, there have been seven 
top 10 quarterbacks drafted that made a Super Bowl. Outside of the last name Manning and Elway. Because Elway did it in 98 when Peyton Manning was drafted. But Peyton Manning and, and Eli Manning are really the only ones that have been there the most. They've been there multiple times. Uh, Eli twice, Peyton three times. And then there were four matchups between first-round quarterbacks in that 23-year span. Who was it, you ask? You had the Trent Dilfer, Kerry Collins. You had Ben Roethlisberger going against uh, Aaron Rodgers. You had Peyton Manning taking on Rex Grossman. And you had Peyton Manning going against Cam Newton. That's it. Most of these quarterbacks in here, not, there's some number ones. There's a lot. Of, there's some first-round draft picks, but not a whole bunch. And not that many winners of it. I mean, hell, Tom Brady's six-round draft pick, which is my point. It's a crapshoot. And there's reasons why, and I'm going to explain that in a second, but I kind of want to talk through all these matchups. Just because you draft a guy in the top 10 doesn't mean you're going to get anywhere. Because there's so many other facets of the game that's important to understand. But even outside of that, you don't know what that quarterback's going to look like. You don't know how he's going to adjust to the game. You don't know if the culture of the team makes him good or bad. There are so many different things that we never take in consideration when it comes to a quarterback. It's kind of why I'm defending Sam Darnold a little bit. Because hopefully something changes things for him. Like one one person that wasn't included on this because he did not start was Alex Smith. He was a number one. He did go to the Super Bowl with the 49ers, but Colin Kaepernick was their starting quarterback. He technically led them to the Super Bowl that year. But Alex Smith did go. So he kind of in theory gets, he get in theory he does get, you know, some recognition for that, but not very many number ones are going. Not many top fives are going. So this is where Trevor Lawrence has really had an uphill battle to try to be basically another Peyton Manning because the shoulder, the sh- the load is going to be put on his shoulders. It's not going to be like, um, it's not going to be like with Jared Goff where the load is not on his shoulders, where it's based on the defense or it's based on, uh, every component around him, or even the coach. The coach is the quarterback when Jared Goff was playing for the Rams. You know, no offense to Jared. He was throwing the ball, but we all knew Sean McVay was play- calling everything beforehand for him. So that's something that he needs to really adjust himself to. It's not going to be a guarantee. So don't think that these guys getting drafted up here means anything. Hell, if Justin Fields falls like everyone's expecting him to, he's almost got a better chance of going to a Super Bowl than he does being drafted in the top five. Just saying, that's the numbers. Outside of top five, you got a better chance of going to Super Bowl than you do if you are in the top five. But this is kind of one of the reasons why. It seems like I was, I was listening to Ryan Marcillo's podcast a couple weekends ago. He's talking to Chris Sims. And Chris Sims has basically blown up the internet with his mock draft. In his mock draft, he actually had Justin Fields falling to number 32 to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Somehow, everybody passes on him. And he talks about some of the mechanics when it comes to Justin Fields that bothers him. And then he talks about a little bit of why some of the big school players don't be successful. And this actually adds to my philosophy of why I don't see big school 
big name school program producing starting quarterbacks because it's a few things. First and foremost, when you got these quarterbacks that are at these big schools, they're walking into every game as the favorite, typically. Alabama's, your Oklahoma's, which their quarterbacks are, I mean, they've got two number ones. We got to see if they can make it to the Super Bowl, though. I mean, they could be really good in Kyler Murray and 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 Baker Mayfield and he held Jalen Hurts, Alabama slash Oklahoma could probably have a long career, but there's no guarantee that they're going to even go anywhere. But they walk into these games as a guaranteed favorite. They walk in as a favorite and they walk in as easily surrounded by much better talent than their competition. I mean, Oklahoma owns the Big 12 for a specific reason. They've got more talent than everybody else. Same thing with Alabama. LSU had their fluke year and they have their moments because they can't, they, when they recruit, they've got talent in that, those areas. And in Georgia recruits like crazy, but for somehow, some reason, their, their coaching staff can't figure it out. Kirby Smart just can't figure it out. I guess he's just not smart enough. But rim shot. But they walk into this space with all the best talent around them. And what makes them so makes it so good for them is that they have nothing but margins of error. They can honestly be borderline atrocious and guaranteed to win the game. So they can try more things. They can be more risky. They can take more risk. They can do all kinds of stuff that they probably normally wouldn't do in an NFL system because my wide receivers are way better than their corners and my running backs are, and so is my line. I really don't have much to worry about. You see what I'm saying? That was something that Trevor Lawrence had up until he got to the national championship games or the playoff games where after his freshman year, he couldn't couldn't win. He couldn't beat Alabama. He couldn't beat Ohio State. And that was because the talent was better on the opposite side. And so all of the flaws in his game started to kind of show. Some of your smaller school quarterbacks or quarterbacks at programs that aren't the dominant ones, your Michigan's, maybe a Penn State, possibly like Hill Delaware, where um, Joe Flacco went, which he had his, you know, his big run. Uh, Russell Wilson in North Carolina State, as well as at Wisconsin. Those schools, they, they're, they're, their competition is a lot tougher. Lamar Jackson at, at Louisville, Patrick Mahomes at Texas Tech. They don't, they're not surrounded by the best talent. So they have to actually think more so like they're in the NFL. They, they don't have the margin of error as much. So they have to make do with what talents around them. And I think that that makes them a little bit more prepared. Not saying that they're better talent wise, I think it's just it prepares them mentally for the game in comparison. You see what I'm saying? That's a difference maker to me when it comes to evaluating quarterbacks. Is what type of talent you had around you and what can you do with that talent if it's not the best? You see what I'm saying? I don't know about Justin Fields. I think he is very talented. He was a number one rated prospect coming in to college. How does he adapt to the situations where he's not going to have the best talent around him? Same thing with Trevor Lawrence. He's going to be in Jacksonville. We don't have a clue what Jacksonville is going to look like next year. He's going to lose more games in Jacksonville in his first two years. And he probably lost his entire life. And I think he's only lost like three games in his entire career. And that's high school and college. He's either three or five. I'm just saying that's what he's going to be dealing with. So Zach Wilson has a little bit of an advantage because he may not have the greatest talent around him, but he was making do of what he had. 
Now, at the same time, he also didn't play the biggest competition. So that's kind of hindrance of him. And Trey Lance, at the same time, he ain't got that many snaps, less than 400 high school college combined. Don't know what that's going to look like. So this adds to my philosophy that some of the smaller schools can quarterbacks. This is kind of why you see a little bit more success out of them. Even some big name programs that haven't didn't see much success on the college platform. Why those L's they take in college help them a lot more in the professional game than it does having like an Ohio state, a Alabama quarterback actually be successful in the NFL. That's just the game. So let's see how it goes. We'll see what the draft looks like. I'll put, I'll also talk about the draft on Saturday. I'll talk about the first two rounds at first three rounds. Um, but I want to talk a little bit about preparing your mind as your team goes to draft the player of the future for your team for your NFL team. So just brace yourself. It's going to be a bumpy ride no matter who they draft. So I kind of got to ask this question of you all. Um, Are y'all watching the NBA? So rumor has it, I've been seeing this talked about a lot by a lot of talking heads is that, that there's been a, a big decline in the viewership of the NBA. Now this has covered the last couple of years um, that there, there's a viewership issue right now with the NBA. And I, I have a theory on why. And I'm in agreement with someone else who made mention of this as well, because this is something I've thought about for a bit as to what the biggest problem is with the NBA. So let's talk ratings first. So the NBA is in theory dealing with a ratings decline starting since last year. Now, going into this year, the NBA kind of uh, have seen a uh, nice little spike. So in the first 27 games of this compressed season, the NBA has averaged 2 million views per game. And that's across TNT, ESPN, and ABC, which is like a 34% increase in actual viewership. And this is like from Nielsen uh, Media Research. So that's a good thing, right? At least it should be. We should be celebrating that the NBA is seeing increases and they're actually gaining back viewership. But in the grand scheme of things, the NBA is still down from, I think, three years ago, about 30% of their viewership. Now, they did see a massive tank after the situation with Daryl Morey and the tweet and the Hong Kong and China situation. And a lot of people feel the need to say that the league is owned by China. No, the league, one of the league's customers are Chinese people, not the Chinese government, but Chinese people. Is a, the Chinese people are fans of basketball as well. They play basketball over there. Hell, we've got a lot of former NBA players and former college players here that play in China. So it makes sense that they're a customer of the league, but they're not bowing to them as everybody's trying to make that statement. I'm not going to even get that deep into it, but I have been thinking about this. And to be quite honest, I feel like the biggest blame is LeBron, but it's not to what you think. So LeBron is the biggest icon in the league. And I was listening to Bomani Jones earlier this week. And he talked about this at how LeBron is basically the conversation of every cycle. And he and he posed the question, which is a fantastic question to ask, is 
LeBron that interesting anymore? I mean, he's going into what a 17th season, 18th season. He's been in the league feels like forever. And we still, and they still talk about him all the time. We used to talk about him. I mean, even me and Jimmy and myself on my solos, I talk about LeBron and now the Lakers all the time. It was the, the Cavaliers and then it was the Heat. And then back to the Cavs, we talk about LeBron all the time because right now he is still the face of the league. And then, of course, he's very active in social media, social issues. He's a, he's a very active person. Uh, and you leveraging his platform for good, which in my personal opinion, he is on the right side of history. But, you know, that's neither here nor there. The question that we're asking ourselves is, why is the viewership being hurt? And how could it be LeBron's fault? And that's what you're probably asking about me. But I feel like it's a basketball reason why LeBron is the reason why we why the league's viewership problem is kind of on his shoulders. And to be absolutely honest, it's also for not the basketball reason that you guys think you think is going to, I'm going to say that it's because of the teaming up situation where he's got all these stars coming to go play with him and everything. Nah, nah, bro. That's not it at all. Because you're lying to yourself. If you actually believe that that is making you not watch basketball. And it was funny, Nick Wright was mentioning this to Colin Cowherd on the Colin Cowherd podcast, that if you really think about it, those that say that they don't like the way the NBA are going are typically not actual diehard basketball fans. The NBA's core fanship is still tight. That extra 30% to me, I think maybe, yeah, about 30% will probably be the casuals that tune in here or there, maybe a fan of the local sports team of their city, and that's how they, you know, get away or whatnot and Sure, they may be bothered by the Black Lives Matter stuff and the social justice things, and I get that. But they're not diehard fans. Like, as a diehard fan of sports in general, that stuff doesn't bother me at the same time. It also affects me because it's, you know, uh, something that I believe in. But for the most part, I don't even care about the players that go the opposite rail. I ignore them. That 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 doesn't matter to me. Produce, and that's the only thing I care about. But LeBron kind of, to me, has brought out the bigger problem with the NBA. And to be absolutely honest, this is absolutely nothing that the league can do to fix this. It isn't. There's nothing they can do. And then I'm going to tell you also why it doesn't even matter. We'll get to that in just a minute. But the bigger problem with the NBA right now is that a handful of players can dominate it. That's the problem with the NBA. That's their biggest issue is that the gap in talent is so wide that there's nothing you can do about it. All these 400 players that have made it to the NBA, about 400 of them, maybe 10 of them, actually five of them can truly change a game and and a trajectory of a team and win championships. That's what LeBron just basically exploited and illuminated for us. He didn't really exploit. He showed us that that's exactly how it works. It's rare that you have a team that actually go out there and win as a team. I mean, your Toronto Raptors, most of the Spurs teams, that Detroit Pistons team in 04, it's rare that you can find a team that's just put together and they win. Because in those times, you had Shaquille O'Neal dominating with the Lakers, him and Kobe. Before that, it was Jordan and the Bulls. Hakeem and the Rockets had two in between there. And then you go back to the Lakers, the Pistons, and the, the, the Celtics. 
And then at the beginning of the 80s, you had Philadelphia and Milwaukee. At the beginning of that. But as you went down in the, the, the middle part of the 80s, going all the way through to now, ain't very many champions. I think there's like seven players' names that's been in every single finals since the early 80s. Magic Johnson, Magic Johnson, Michael Jordan, Hakeem Olajuwon, LeBron James, Shaquille O'Neal, Kobe Bryant, Tim Duncan, Kawhi Leonard. Yeah, it's about eight people that have been in every single, and then throw in there uh, Steph Curry. About nine players. And if you want to throw Durant in, you can, but it doesn't matter because he was with Steph. So it's technically nine players that have been to the NBA Finals. That you can name all of them. Nine since the early 80s. You make it more fun, throw in there Larry Bird. Make it 10. But that's it. That's the deal. Is that's the problem with the league right now is that it's very top heavy and you can't do anything about that because of the talent discrepancy. As much as I love some of the young talent out in the league right now, a lot of them's not going to get their team to a finals. They're not. They're going to have to team up with others and they're going to need another top five player to get them there. But that's how the team was, league was designed. That's just how it is. I mean... Magic went to a Lakers team that had an injured Kareem. He went out there and boom, he's been to nine finals, five championships. Michael Jordan goes and leads the Bulls. He gets help finally and boom, he is already the best player in the league, considered arguably the GOAT. He is able to just continue the Bulls going on a six-year run. Even with the supporting cast that you need to get there because you have to have a supporting cast because you can't carry a team there by yourself and win a championship. No one's ever done it. That is where the exploit comes in from LeBron. So that's the key thing. But does that really matter? No, it does not. This is why I'm going to tell you that. So LeBron went down March 20th, right? And I was on Sports Media Watch, and they had an article talking about the top 10 rated games between March 20th and April 15th were Lakers. Four of the 10 games were Lakers games, and they were the top one at like 2.2 million with LeBron not even playing. Now we're playing the Nets that game. And so it was a whole bunch of star power. You see that? Top stars. Anthony Davis wasn't playing. LeBron wasn't playing. But you did have Durant. Durant actually didn't play that game. But you had Harden and Kyrie. But you had those five names attached to that game. And that's kind of the bad part is that it's it's so few super superstars because the talent level discrepancy is wide. And so we go into this teaming up thing and y'all try to tell me this is bad and it ain't. I mean, if you think about it for you, think about it for yourself. When you go to the playground and y'all play, you know, full court five on five and y'all are picking teams. Are you out there saying, you know what? Give me the four biggest scrubs and let me carry them and we're going to get a whole bunch of victories. No, your first pick is the best person that's available in the pool. Every time or a friend of yours that you know is good. So stop lying to yourself and saying that teaming up is a problem. It's not, it's not the issue. It's just that the talent level is at an all time high with players from LeBron James, Kevin Durant, James Harden, Harden ain't even to been to only one finals, but Steph Curry, your talent level is high. Kawhi Leonard, those top players are what's getting these teams to the finals. 
from that, none of these NBA players are going out there. You'll, you won't ever find a single NBA player that'll say, just give me a team of scrubs and I'll carry them somewhere. You won't. Every single NBA player, every single professional athlete, no matter the sport, will complain in their front office that, hey, we need better talent around here for us to win. If the talent's not good. So this thought that teaming up is the problem is not. And the biggest thing is, to be honest, it ain't a problem at all. Y'all love dominance. Y'all love when teams dominate. Everybody's favorite thing about the 90s was what? Jordan dominating. That was it. Y'all like the fact that Jordan dominated the way he did. The 80s, it was starting to become more popular because it was between Los Angeles and Boston dominating back and forth. Detroit sprinkled themselves in there, but that was back in the day when Detroit was really, really big as, as a Metroplex. So yeah, you love dominance. You don't like this ball movement crap. I can tell you don't like the ball movement stuff because when San Antonio went to the NBA Finals and played the Cavs, guess what? It was one of the lowest rated NBA Finals ever. And it wasn't because they swept them. Y'all didn't even know they were going to sweep them until they got done with the sweep. You don't like this type of basketball that's being played today. You don't like the ball movement. The three-pointer maybe could be an issue because the, the gap in the scores expand extremely fast. But overall, you don't care about ball movement. You want dominance. And when teams trade for additional players and make their rosters better, nobody complains at that point. They just don't like it when the players make their own choices. And I don't care that you guys are mad that the players make their own choices because I actually like that the players make their own choices because if the front office can trade you off for no problem, why can't the players say, hey, I'm not signing back. So if you want to get assets back, you probably should trade me. I'm here on the player side when it comes to that. So now financially, will this hurt the NBA? Hell no. Even bigger. So I saw an article on uh, NBC Sports talking about the ratings and everything. And they said that the NBA, as they prepare for their TV deal, because of the TV deal that the NFL got, the NBA is slated to ask between 70 and $75 billion for their next deal. Their current deal is $24 billion over nine years. They can get $75 billion over nine to 10 years. That's an increase from like 2.6 billion a year to what seven and a half billion a year in revenue. And guess what? Networks are going to break their necks to pay it. You want to know why sports is a hot commodity. Got to have it. If you have it, people tune in Irregardless of how many views it is. The best part about the NBA compared to the NFL is the NBA is a global game. You've got a wider audience. More countries are going to tune in, especially as we get more international players into the league. I remember working in the minors and we had a Asian, Jeremy Lin actually, played. The streams for the games that we played that had him on online were were millions of people. Millions jumped online to watch that game because that particular player was playing. His country tuned in. How do you think San Antonio is doing great with like Manu Ginobili and Tony Parker? They, and and Tim Duncan, they were all people that are not from the States technically. So they were able to leverage their communities and really get viewership. That's what the NBA is. It's a global game. So they have more of a reason to really pull in international pieces. And guess what? TV networks know that. 
TV networks are going more global and they understand that there's way more money in the NBA than it is in some of the other sports. Even with like hockey losing viewership and stuff, they're st- they just still got a nice deal coming. I think they're going back to ESPN. Certain networks understand. Disney understands that they need to have this stuff because this is what attracts viewers in, into their subscription stuff. So, contrary to popular belief, you guys think that the NBA is going to just go down or whatever because of their wokeness? They're actually going to just triple up. We made three times as much money this time around. So don't get it twisted. The ratings are kind of a deal. They got to figure out how to really get more people engaged. But to be quite honest, until sports doesn't mean shit in this country, they're still going to make a hell of a lot of money. All right. Thunder Thursdays. Told you all, I'm going to make sure to give you something on a Thursday about the Thunder. Kind of slight the last week or two. My bad. Travel. A lot of stuff going on. But I'm actually starting to get into a groove. So as the season ends, I'll actually start doing it right. But I'll still start talking about the Thunder as we prep going through the offseason, through the playoffs, and try to figure out what exactly is next for this team. But so we'll go through the list. We've got, of course, the current record, roster in and out information, um, update on SGA, current draft location, who I think is the weekly star. So I want to talk about, right? So I want to keep an eye on. So right now, the Thunder, as we continue through the tankathon, they are 21 and 41, which is still 13th in the West. Right now, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Houston Rockets have already officially eliminated themselves from the playoffs. So they are not going to be a playoff team, unfortunately. And because they're not going to be a playoff team, guess what? Um, Oklahoma City has to do a lot more losing in order to guarantee that they will um, be able to get a number one pick. But to be honest, with the way the lottery works, Oklahoma City has a chance, but we're we're still fighting with some really bad teams from Cleveland Cavaliers, Orlando Magic, Detroit Pistons, with Minnesota, as well as Houston. So we're about fifth, six-ish in our position. Um... We're still primed to get a top five pick, and we could potentially have two top five picks. If we end up in the top three and top four, and Houston falls out of the top four, well, of course, we'll get Houston's pick because we get the best two picks between us, Miami, and Houston. And so those should all come out this year. We just got to hope that Houston doesn't do good in the lottery. If they don't do good in the lottery, Oklahoma City, we won something. So. Let's cross our fingers and toes. Let's move on from that. So roster in and out. Uh, so Gabriel Deck is in Oklahoma City. He's been here. He's going through the protocols. He said he needs to quarantine for a few days, do anything he needs to do. He's getting himself prepped. We should see him, if not, this is Thursday that I'm recording this. So if not on Thursday, Friday, or through the weekend, we will see him play, which is when the next set of games that are um, coming up, We'll see, be able to see Gabriel play. He's the Australian. They call him the turtle and see what he looks like. So today is the 29th as this is recording. So they play the Pelicans tonight. And then after the Pelicans, we probably may see Gabriel tonight. Um, If so, that'd be dope. Uh, I'll be watching NFL draft. So I'm not going to be able to really pay attention to him on that one, but I will check him out on Saturday against the Pacers as the later rounds in the draft. I keep tabs on, but I don't watch that much. 
But we'll have him Saturday, Sunday. So that's even awesome. Hey, I'll see him in person on Sunday because I actually have to work the game against Phoenix. Get to see Chris Paul. Yay. But anyway, he'll be here. And outside of that, we're just dealing with injuries. Lou Dort's in and out. SGA, his update now. He won't be here, I think they said two more weeks, in which that's basically the rest of the season. So we may see him the last week of the season. He'll probably get a game or two in. But SGA, just mark him done with that plantar uh, fasciitis or whatnot. But the Thunder did pick up a player, Charlie Brown Jr. No, not from the cartoon Charlie Brown, but not even his son. But Charlie Brown Jr., he played at St. Joseph. He signed to a 10-day contract. He's a 6'6 shooting guard. Um, well, wing, since it's, for the most part, positionless once you get past point guard and center in between there. But he's more of a two or three. Um, he played, he spent about 10 games with the Atlanta Hawks last year. Um, scored, average about two points and sub one in every other category. So we're going to see, he played one game. He's averaged, he got five points in the one game he's played so far. So we'll see what he looks like moving forward. But of course the Thunder are evaluating young talent to potentially fill the roster, especially after we do the draft and stuff so that we can start building up and see if we can find another diamond in the rough. Charlie Brown, hopefully you can be something like that. We'll see. But my star of the week's got to go to Darius Basley. My goodness, y'all. Have y'all have y'all been watching him? If you're a Thunder fan, if you've been checking him out, dude, Darius Basley's been balling. He's starting to look like that first-round pick, and I feel like his confidence, like him and Lou Dort's confidence have really jumped in the last uh, few weeks, especially since SGA been out and, and Basley and Dort both came back. It feels like they have really got their confidence together, and they're going out there trying to make the magic happen and show that they are built to be in this league. I mean, since the 21st, he's averaging 20 points, eight rebounds with two assists and one and a half steal a game, which is pretty solid. And he's actually putting up shots. He's not shooting the best percentages right now, but I don't care about that today. I care about him making the attempts and actually getting out there and putting some effort in. So I like to see that. So I'm ready to see next what uh, Gabriel Adek brings in when he comes up and see exactly how we can make everything work. And then you got Poku. The Thunder looks good and look primed to do well here in the future. So keep your eyes open for them. Really, really, really excited. And uh, yes, Thunder Thursday, baby. Get hyped, Thunder fans. Get hyped. So let's talk more draft. This is, of course, a big weekend for a lot of people. And to be absolutely honest, this is actually kind of a weekend. It's going to be full of heartbreak for some others. And I want these others to remember something that just because this may not work out the way that you want it to, you still got a good chance of making a league and doing some things. And, and I'll explain kind of what that means. Some of these players are not going to hear their name drafted. They're not. Teams are not going to call them out. And they're not going to walk the stage or be on camera or anything. And some players already know this. They're preparing themselves for camps and everything so they can show out and hopefully have an opportunity in preseason and do things. So the NFL this year's draft has 657 people eligible. And to be honest, I was actually going to write an article on this. I may still do it and publish it post-draft, but uh, we'll we'll see if I go decide to dive right into it. But... 657 eligible draft picks. Players, that is. 
259 will be drafted. There may be some additional compensatory picks or something of that nature, but I don't know. We'll see. But that means that about 398 players will not get drafted. So what do those players do knowing that they're not going to get drafted? Well, I'll tell you. There's one thing that you cannot measure in a combine, on the field, or anything. It's true, grit, gritty, hard work. You can't measure it. You can't. I say that because you can see raw talent. You can see opportunity. But the player has to also see that they need to always continuously get better. Some players understand getting better as just, you know, a little working out here, a little training there and do their things. Others see it as dedicating themselves to the craft. And I've always said this before that the difference between good and great is about that is a thin margin. And that thin margin typically means that the great ones are dedicated to their craft. And that's something that I'm trying to do when it comes to these videos. I'm trying to get more dedicated to the craft of understanding the information and really digesting it and be able to regurgitate it to you all. I want to make this shit as simple as possible. I don't, my goal isn't to be complex and over the top, using too many big words and making shit confusing. I want you guys to be able to watch this, these videos and have an argument and a conversation with people and something you can be like, you know what? Let me just throw a simple thing at you and see if they can rebuttal it. Because it's good for banter. The conversation in sports is so much fun, and I love the sports them. I hate fanatics. You'll always hear me say that. But I love sports itself and the camaraderie it can bring, and just the conversation and dialogue, because it's fun to talk about it. All of it's hypotheticals. Nothing can be guaranteed. You can't, unless you can show me an actual factual situation where it happened a certain way, there's ways of even breaking up some of that stuff. You see what I'm saying? There's, there's, there's always more elements to a sport than it is just, it's not linear. Or whatnot. But for these players that won't get their name called, they've got to make a choice. And the question you have to ask yourself as that player is, do you want to be great? Because you do have the opportunity of being great. I'm going to name off some players that did not get drafted that you know, as there are more than this, that are notable on drafts. You can go look at Wikipedia for every NFL draft. There's probably about 20 people every draft that's a notable undrafted player that's played some years in the league. But these are names that you all should know because they've done really big things in the NFL. James Harrison. Alejandro Villanueva. Victor Cruz. Chris Harris Jr. Damian Harrison. Cole Beasley. C.J. Anderson. Adam Thielen, Malcolm Butler, Shaquille Barrett, Raheem Molster, Malcolm Butler, Taysom Hill, Philip Lindsay. That's just a few names of guys that did not get drafted at all. But what did they do? They showed up to camp. They were in shape. They worked their butts off. And they showed something that other players with natural talent did not show. They gave teams that component that they were looking for and they stuck out. Usually your hard work or your dedication to said craft is what sticks you out. And then people can see your talent because believe me, everybody that's in the draft, put like this, all these college football players are talented, but there's a massive gap. Just like I mentioned before 
uh, on the other video about this, there's a massive gap between how good and great players truly are. There's a there's a big gap with the top one percent of sports of your of of that professional sport of let's say football to the other ninety nine. There's a gap. It's no different in basketball. No different in finance. No different in the job that you work today. There's a gap between the top one percent of what you do and everybody else, because some people are just really good at what they do. Some people are just naturally talented or some people work their butts off so hard that it looks like they're better than everybody else. And most of their hard work is just preparation, hard work, meet, meet, you know, meeting luck. You know what I'm saying? You know, luck is typical. What they say. Luck is, is hard work meeting preparation, opportunity meeting preparation. So if you're prepared and opportunity comes to itself, guess what? You just got lucky and it's not even lucky. It's just that you aligned yourself with the universe in a proper, proper situation to where now people are going to look for you. People, people see you, but you got to keep doing it. And so these players, they'll put, they put themselves in situations to where they're able to get some fat checks. James Harrison, defensive player of the year. He was a defensive player of the year as an undrafted player. Alejandro Villanueva, considered one of the best left tackles out there, could be signing with the Ravens soon. He was a Pittsburgh Steeler for years, and he's known for being good. Chris Harris Jr., pretty good corner. Went from from the Broncos, got a fat contract. No Chris Harris Jr. because he's from Tulsa. It's Tulsa boy, Bigsby, stand up. Victor Cruz, you know him because he does his salsa dances every time he uh, scored a touchdown. Thielen's doing big things. Cole Beasley's doing big things. Malcolm Butler, killing it in the NFL. My point with all of these, Taysom Hill's even got opportunities, and people are still questioning if he's a legitimate quarterback. But guess what? He's in the league, and he's working his butt off. He's able to find that spot where he sticks, made himself sticky and where the team can't get rid of him. Phillip Lindsay's running back for the Denver Broncos. It seems like Denver Broncos can always find a running back. Him and C.J. Anderson are running backs, came out of nowhere. Raheem Molster. The monster came out of nowhere for San Francisco, helped them go to the Super Bowl. The point with all of that is that these guys that are not going to get drafted, don't hold your head down. Keep your head up. Keep working your ass off. Somebody's going to see it. Keep working hard. Keep dedicating yourself to film, to the craft. Eventually, it will pay itself off, and you'll have a chance of making it on a roster and playing in this NFL season. At least playing in a preseason. And in preseason, if you can show yourself, and you know, God forbid, you don't get hurt. Make sure you get, don't get hurt. You God forbid, you you know, we want you to be healthy. You go out there and be healthy. Guess what? Probably gonna get a chance. But you gotta show the right attitude. You gotta show the work right work ethic. Somebody's gonna go ahead and pick you up. Can't beat that, right? Good luck. Oh, man. Well, I appreciate y'all joining me as usual here on Unfair, where we do take a pensive approach to the sports conversation. Make sure you share with friends and family, um, as well as while you're on whatever podcast distributor you're using, rate us and review us and give us five stars. You think we deserve it? Let's give us five anyway and gifted. So for Mike, Bob and Wendy, thank you so much for assisting me as you always do may have a new producer coming soon keep your eyes open for that um check out our youtube page you can go to our website unfair-sports.com you see the links to everything that we have from our merchandise store because i make pretty cool t-shirts our youtube page 
and all of that jazz, you can actually see my animation outside of hearing my voice. So with that, I'll have something on the NFL draft, post-draft stuff this weekend posted up. And with that, we'll talk it up in a few days. Peace. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details.